We're on our way to show some solidarity uh, with the union. Yo, bro, you work for Amazon? You gonna vote for that union? There just won't be enough jobs to give all Americans a decent livable wage. I want my kids to grow up in a society where they don't have to struggle as hard as we do. That's what we need to fight for. I mean, I'm middle classes. I don't want to say it's gone, but it erodes every single day. Do you think they're going to build any affordable housing here? Oh, hell no. I don't want to work three jobs, nights, weekends. I want a life. The trick in trickle-down economics is getting you to believe that anything which is good for rich people is good for everyone, and anything that is good for everyone else will kill the economy. A union agitator. If they're not going to take care of their employees, somebody has to. They don't invest in us. They don't show us the resources. It's just not sustainable. The, the system is going to collapse. We got to take care of ourselves. We can't rely on the government, and we damn sure can't rely on the 1% class. What the hell? This is union busting one-on-one. They're going to spend millions of dollars just to stop that. The voting wrapping up. Now employees are waiting on results. If successful, it could spark a labor movement across the country. Look at everyone out here suffering. What are you doing for us? Our job as Americans is to fight to save this country. We need bold actions, organizing. We can't allow ourselves to be divided. It's really time to rise and fight. I need all of y'all. Are you going to get in the streets and do something? You can handle the responsibility of being a leader to say it with your chest. <laughs>
in Amazon, if you if you go to the bathroom too many times, you get fired. And then you get fired by a text message from an AI. And then your, your security tag just stops working and you can never get back in the building. So it's really very inhumane uh, conditions. Um, but, you know, it's not just Amazon. Amazon is, uh, you know, in, in our film, um, but there are many, many companies in this country and more and more um, that are, uh, you know, basically extracting uh, and abusing the, the, you know, the workforce. And, and at the same time with this, I think one of them in your film talked about that it's not even a real contract that they have when they get hired. And like, it's, it's just kind of like, it's, oh, you're, yeah, they're at, at will workers. They can be far, fired for any reason. Um, so, and they are fired. In fact, the, the business model is to fire them. So if you make it to five years, which is almost unheard of, um, they offer you a $5,000 bonus to, to quit and never work in another Amazon facility again because they know that your body is probably destroyed and they don't want to pay for the workman's comp. They're really, their business model is based on disposable Americans. And a lot of towns like, and, and you know, Nancy and I travel the country full time and we see these small towns and we, we look at responsible tourism as a way of responsible tourism. And that doesn't mean, you know, Turn it means leaving the integrity of your community in place, okay? The history mm -hmm. and celebrating the nature and all of those things. Um, so when you look at what happens to communities, you could have a community that really probably went through some some kind of factory town thing and historically people moved there and then the factory town or the mining or whatever bailed. And then, oh, here comes Amazon or some other big package, you know distribution center and everybody's like oh this is bringing millions into our community jobs and everybody signs on and i even heard like at one one community they they actually paid like walmarts and stuff to come in whatever they had in the town coffers actually paid them to come in in some ways in some places so did you see any of that in the documentary when you were making it yeah absolutely uh we were down in bessemer alabama now Bessemer, the Bessemer steel mills were some of the most high-tech um, best steel mills in the in the uh, country. The people that worked there would would make very good wages with uh, help, great healthcare and, and pensions. And um, you know, it, it you know people like blame China or or Mexico or uh, but it was the you know it was those CEOs that decided to to move those jobs overseas. Um, so you have something like a steel mill or manufacturing that was eliminated, whether it was in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, and all just the entire uh, community collapses, right? Um, so people making you know thirty five an hour. Um, now scrambling for minimum wage jobs. And we have to remember that the minimum wage has been unchanged for 20 plus minus years. Uh, it is $7 and 25 cents an hour in the country. As a general, uh, California is a little different. No, I'm Washington talking about the, the, yeah, the, the basic oh, federal wow. minimum wage. Yes, localities can have different but, mm -hmm. you know, all, you know, most of the red, you know, right to work states. And the, the, one of the shocking numbers is um, it's 45% of people ages 18 to 65 have a median income of $10 and 50 cents an hour. How do you survive on $10 and 50 cents an hour? Yeah, Especially you can't when there's no on... public... Yeah, especially public transportation, you know, mm -hmm. without that, you know, you have to have a car, mm -hmm. you know, you don't survive. So you just see so many people uh, falling off, you know, the middle class, the working class into poverty and homelessness. And it's, it's terrible. These are good people that working really hard, sometimes two jobs, three jobs, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. It's heartbreaking. What, what we see now, and I think what your documentary, Americon, does so well is show us 
how this started to happen in the 80s. And you see, and, and also pointing the finger righteously so, um, and I say it righteously, because I mean, they did it well, uh, of both main parties, the Republicans and the Democrats have done disservice on both sides of this. And, and basically it's, I mean, there's so much money in politics now that it's really not for the people. I don't, I, I just, I don't think until we see a change, I don't think anyone's going to change my mind on that from what we can see, right? And when when you look at uh, small business now, because that's a lot of what we represent in our company is small business. And we look at, here comes a minimum wage change. So in California, it's up over $15 now. And then the small business person, especially outside of a city in an unincorporated area, unincorporated areas get screwed in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, you get a little more leeway, depending on who, what, and where. But like you're saying, like, okay, you're going to have to drive. There's no transportation that's going to take you from your home down the mountain to this workplace, right? And then at the same time, the small business, sometimes a small business owner is about someone who has a teeny bit of money that they can invest, or they do it out of desperation, a small business. They're in just a, as worse a position as the workers half of the time. That's what we're seeing. So when it comes to the minimum wage being raised, they're like, oh, crap, I'm screwed. And so does the worker. So it's kind of this, I feel like we're in the same place. Yeah. So basically, the small business has been greatly under attack for a long time, as well as the workers. Um, the monopolies really have are squeezing out uh, the small businesses. The Walmarts come to town and put out, you know, the local printing uh, shop, the hardware store, the the uh, appliance store, and turn these, you know, small businesses that take that money, reinvest it in the community, uh, you know, sponsor the local football team, the local high school, and they extract that right out of the uh, system. So, you know, the dollar stores, the, um, yeah. you know, you know, all of these, these, you know, really multinational corporations who do not pay their people enough money to live, put enormous pressure on the small businesses. And then their lobbies are able to, um, their lobbies are able to then have uh, massive subsidies given to these, these large companies and the small business just doesn't get those those subsidies. Um, so, you know, what I think uh, can be done is the, the small businesses need to band together and almost make their own kind of um, organization that uh, fights for, uh, you know, Walmart doesn't need subsidies. Amazon doesn't need subsidies, even though they get, you know, mm -hmm. over a hundred million a year and basically don't pay any taxes. Um, and then there's the monopolization of the supply chain. So they jack the prices up. So the margins are decreased, right? Um, so the risk is, you know, is put on that small business. Um, and they're, you know, and they're, and I've had small businesses myself now, you know, could we do a subsidy so that they could, you know, raise wages? Uh, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And the important thing to realize is that 70% of all people on government assistance work full-time. I, I, I think this was the, I stopped your, your documentary watching it at that point and went, that's it. We get so many people telling, I mean, I think everyone's families are divided right now too, from what we talk about is, Oh, well, everybody on welfare, especially, and you bring home such a good point on single mothers of what they've gone through, like, oh, you're the tarnished ones, you know, and, you know, my mom's a single mom and she's a badass, okay? <laughs> she went, she's yeah. done so much to make things happen and still fighting to this day. And she's a small business owner and you see so many women go into that because eventually it's like, you know what, how many jobs do I have to have when, let me just do my own. And then it's like, 
still topsy-turvy is why I bring up the, the minimum wage and how it affects small business owners because a lot of times it's the same people, the same fight. It's the same thing. And we have put small business like, you know, Walmart's a corporation now, but it was a small business way back when. And there's small businesses that are still in that, I would say the 20 to 30% that are still getting to be small business. When you know they can come in and make a shell of a company, you, you know how they do all of that, right? So it's, it's okay. this mess. So, and then I have customers, clients, personal clients that have basically been swallowed by Amazon and some who are actually in, an, in a lawsuit now, and you can't get further on Amazon. You can't grow in that sphere. If you've now gone into that distribution mode, if you've gone this way, and then giant corporations of people that come in with money and they buy out your stock so that they can buy the revenue to go further on Amazon. So anyway, I'm sorry, but that the whole thing is so bad, but yep. going back to the people, the mothers, the people that are on right now, look at what just happened with the debt ceiling and what's going on as we record right now. The whole debt ceiling where we almost lost social security as becoming up as a, an issue, uh, we could lose that. You look at welfare and food stamps and you're saying 70%, 70% are work full time. And then where are the disabled part in yes. there, you know? Yeah, then you have some mentally ill people, people that are, you know, disabled, been in accidents, yeah. uh, you know, have cancer, <laughs> um, you know, had a heart attack. You know, those are real people. And, you know, maybe they can't work because they're doing chemo five, six days a week, right? Uh, we are an incredibly rich country. We can take care of our people. The uh, Since 1975, there has been 50 trillion dollars extracted from the middle and working class to the top one percent and really to the top like you know 0.1 percent um but we can't even read all the zeros anymore <laughs> oh i mean you can't even comprehend what 50 trillion dollars it's it's double the entire gdp of of the country for two years mm -hmm. so you know yeah. uh, uh it, you know it's astounding we have the money it's just being extracted away from, from the workers, away from the small businesses. Give the subsidies to the small business. You know, uh, Amazon yeah. doesn't need hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies. I, I, watch an Amazon, I watch an Amazon worker drive to the pets that we were doing and her, you could hear her brakes go out on her van and she was in trouble. And homeowner's like, she knows her, they know the dogs. Hey, hey, hey. And she couldn't talk. No chit chat. Here's your package. I got to go. She's going, you're going to get in an accident if you go up this hill in a van with no brakes. And this girl was compromised at that spot. And I went, you're, you're screwed. Don't, yeah. you're screwed because yeah. now you're taking time because you just talked to a customer. Yeah, no, it's it's inhumane. And this is the thing. All these large businesses could change the middle class overnight. If Amazon alone raised their minimum pay, you know, from uh, I think it's $16, $17 an hour now to $30 an hour, mm -hmm. which they could do without question. The math has been done. Maybe Jeff Bezos wouldn't be the third richest person in the world. Maybe he would be the eighth, right? And and he You're would just ego. change. What's that? <laughs> I said you just talked ego there, right there. His ego would have to. Yeah, you know. yeah, but but so so all the other large companies would have to match, right? And mm -hmm. this is the lie: raising wages kills jobs, right? Raising wages doesn't kill jobs because. If no one has any money, who's going to buy your stuff? That's the thing. Right? So it's a hallucination. This is from Nick Hanauer in the, in the, in the film, Genius mm -hmm. Guy. Oh, he's he is billionaire. amazing. He's, he's a billionaire. Amazing man. And he says, um, it's this hallucination. I'm a business owner. I can't pay my people enough to buy my stuff. 
but all of you other business owners have to pay your people enough to buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's insanity, right? So, um, you know, how do you get, a home, uh, get rid of homelessness? Well, you, you increase wages and you make affordable housing. How do you get rid of income inequality? Well, you raise wages. Um, it's not hard. It's just that we have these think tanks that are heavily funded, these lobbyists, where sometimes there's, you know, 15, 20, 1,500 per senator uh, in Washington, uh, depending on the industry, who are fighting to just decimate the, the middle class and the path to the middle class, right? So you used to be able to be a cashier, right, in the 70s, have a union job, have a pension system, and have a own a house, have a car, and go on vacation. Well, you know, people in all sorts of jobs don't have $400 for a medical emergency. No, no, they don't. Yeah. It, no. And it's, um, I think you also made a really good point in, in the documentary of, of, of facts of how much money Amazon puts towards their lobbyists and pays their lobbyists versus their own employees. You know, the ratio of that is so unjust, whereas you could just actually fund your employees and you wouldn't have to deal with that other side at all. You know, it's, it's kind of this balance. It's, it, you know, when I look at it, I go like, what are you doing? How much is it? It's about power. I don't, I don't understand the, the thinking behind that, but I do okay. want to go behind your thinking of what led you to make this documentary. Yeah. So um, what is it? I, you know, and we've debated this in our team over and over again, and we think it is a hoarding mentality. It's almost a mental illness. Ooh. Um, that they have to just every, extract every penny that they possibly can. And we kind of go over the psychology of it a little bit from, and the cover given by Milton Friedman in the 60s and 70s and how Dude, it, you know, it- Dude, I'm never going to look at him the same. <laughs> yeah, no, he's- Wow. Not, yeah, uh, it, was the, it, was the, it was the anti-New uh, Deal, right? Um, which built the middle class, basically. Um, but why did we make the film? Uh, well, my my family are immigrants from Ireland, um, and my grandfather was able to ascend, come to the United States, you know, out of really abject poverty. Uh, didn't really didn't own a pair of shoes until the community chipped in to buy him wow. a suit and shoes to come to this country. Um, he basically worked for a, you know, as a servant um sweeping floors whatever um you know worked his ass off finally got in 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 a in a union and in new york city and was able to ascend you know and my grandmother also got in she was a um uh radiology tech uh at hospital and they ascended into the middle class they were able to buy a home uh they had amazing health care they had amazing pensions uh, you know, my grandma lived to her mid nineties and there, you know, all of her healthcare was paid for. Um, and that's the way it was. And that wasn't that long ago. You know, I was, you know, a kid and we could, right. you know, we've done this already, right? We went from the twenties where it was just income inequality and just people living in squalor. And then, you know, we was able to fight that and then flip it. And then that's where the middle class came from. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and then from then productivity, profits and the, you know, wages went up together. And in, in about 1980, after about 10 years of planning, uh, it split and mm-hmm. the middle class fell away and profits and productivity kept rising. Uh, CEO pay is just insane. You know, Especially just today. The banks. They, we're watching that during all the bailouts. We're like, God. I'm going to collapse a bank and I'm going to get a $30 million paycheck. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, if a small business owner collapses their uh, business, they're probably going to lose their house. Yeah, and be uh, homeless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and everybody's, and then at the same time, let's flood the country with drugs, right? Because that was another corporate issue. That's, I, I think, the drug pandemic is or is or epidemic, whatever we want to call it, 
goes hand in hand with the corporate money making thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. So when 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 you try your hardest for for years and years and years, and you're not making it after every every week, your your credit card bill is going up, and you're you're not making it, and you're not you go into despair, and then you see the suicide rates are through the roof. You know, you're seeing uh, the drug uh, abuse is through the roof, alcoholism is through the roof. Um, these are all symptoms. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, and Pandemic showed how many people started drinking just over one situation. They're yeah. at home. Everyone started drinking more, eating more. You know, um, I do want to touch, too, on what you did in the documentary for everyone to understand how you showed such a diverse set of people going through, you know, all stage. I mean, I think what was interesting that you took a family in Mill Valley, California, which is la-di-da. That, that is like, oh, and I thought it was so brilliant that you did this because just because they lived there through their lives, suddenly, no, he, I mean, he worked for Oracle, right? Or I, I had a friend who could see Oracle coming with their shutdowns and and bailed early and said you know i got the oracle but i'm like i'm going to be a consultant now screw this i can see what's coming they're not that cool it turned out to be right and and your documentary just proved that and here i mean these are smart people and she stands up for the arts which immediately gets poo-pooed when stuff comes down but if we don't have the arts we don't have the truth makers which is what you do it's tell the yeah. truth, you know? I mean, she works three jobs, sometimes yeah. four. She, you know, she was, she's a school teacher. She's uh, a yoga instructor. She was working in uh, a uh, shop selling handbags, you know, for however mm -hmm. much little money doing that. Uh, and she was trying to, making art at night and trying to sell that. And this is someone who has her paintings hanging in the de young you know the, the museum yeah right uh it should you know incredibly beautiful children that she raised well they're you know and An amazing it, we're, family we're not just... yeah we're not none of us are uh except for the very very top uh we're just uh, you know a few you know things away like a spike in rent uh you know they they basically legally threw them out of that place um because the rent spiked and they were just well, they were the there for like is, eight oh. years they and were just, oh, there, you gotta go just because it's a beautiful area doesn't mean that only the rich gets to have these beautiful areas so part of what we do through tourism we're seeing that um beautiful areas get taken out by airbnbs so that's a whole other corporate issue of okay we're going to get our second third homes and then they come in and then part of your documentary really takes on what's happening with the housing, with the Koch brothers and all damn the Koch brothers. They really suck, man. They've done they really so suck. such yeah. terrible things in this country. And part of even our national parks, part of why we ended up doing this, the Koch brothers were behind a lot of the uranium mining and the Grand Canyon, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just no matter when you get you wheedle down through all the fine print, you will always find their name somewhere underneath it, underneath this, underneath that. You know, and yeah, so, when it comes yeah. to the housing, we're in a big, big, big problem here. Yes. Yeah, so sorry, I'm riled know, up. I just watched this. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm you know, I lived it for three and a half years. But, oh, so God. what we're seeing, yeah, no, it, it's intense. Uh, it, it does have a positive ending. So it does. Um, and I do have a lot of hope. And I think everyone's waking up now. And I hope this movie helps that. But when, when we talk about housing, so, you know, all these people, you know, the Koch brothers are one of many, right? Um, and Amazon is one of many, right? Um, <clears throat> but it's about extraction and financialization. So where you would have starter homes, right? Um, you know, or homes in general, you'd have a small businessman who is a home builder. He would sell it, you know, the the you know the new couple or the middle class couple would you know negotiate for that and buy it right so now we're finding that the corporations are coming in the shell corporations and it's hard to you know we see the Koch brothers behind it 
Um, there were rumors of BlackRock was behind it. They deny it. I'm not sure what's true. Um, and they come into a neighborhood and they buy the whole neighborhood under different shell corporations. And they pay, you know, 20, 30% above asking. So how does, how does the middle-class family compete with that? And then they, and what they do is they, they turn around and they, they, they rent it to that middle-class family for a lot more than the mortgage would have been. Mm-hmm. Right. So now there's no more accumulation of wealth through, through the, you know, the paying down of that mortgage. That's, that's like the, the main uh, structure for middle-class people to pass on wealth to their children. Um, and so they just go down and every single business, everything, and they raise, they raise the rate it of, and extract all the money and, and raise the rate of the neighborhood. So no one oh, can yeah, invest you can't in afford, who can, you know, it's the biggest, you know, if you ever bought a house, it's, the biggest thing you ever did. It's the hardest thing you've ever did. And then, uh, you know, they just outbid you. You have yeah. no shot. Yeah. And then, okay, here's the keys. We'll rent it to you uh, for this year. And then uh, you can't afford more the you taxes. Pay than the mortgage. If yeah. you're there, now the taxes just went up. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're in the same oh, yeah. neighborhood yeah, and you didn't get bought because they go, oh, we'll buy you cash out. You know, you hear all these things all the time. And so I think- you know, your documentary, Americon, is a, a is a wake up call. It's a siren that kind of you yeah. really put things into perspective um, where you start to realize the BS factor. Whereas, and, and we're so busy. And I think this is what's so hard for families, especially single moms, single parents, I should say, too, single dads. Um, everyone is just trying really hard. And it's hard to keep tabs on even politics. And I think that's another hard thing. And they're abusing that too. Who can keep up with every politician's shenanigans? Because that's all it is. Every single day, you can't keep up with it. And then, oh, you may like this news person, then you find out they're part of it too. So it's really difficult. And I think the documentaries are something we can all actually go and watch people like us going through what we go through in life. And I think that is probably the only way we can really get enlightened. Like one of the way, I mean, there's, there's just, when you want to invest to move forward, it's, it's a way to know that you're not alone, you know? Yeah. I I think, you know, our investigative journalism has been decimated. Mm -hmm. Um, There are still some really good investigative journalists. There's good journalists Um, out there, but they're not being allowed. (laughs) They're not being allowed to speak and they don't, Get well, well, they're just they're just See? being defunded, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you used to have all these amazing local papers who had their own investigative journalists, and the internet kind of did away with that by making news free, and no one's buying the newspapers anymore. You know, no one's. Uh, so then you have the CNNs, the Foxes of the world, um, that uh, they're really news readers. Mm-hmm. Very little investigative journalism going on there. Um, and there are corporate owned, right? Um, there's basically eight media companies that control everything. Uh, and th- which kind of ties into the, the whole uh, writer strike that's going on now. So eight, AI. so eight uh, CEOs, AI. right? Oh my Contro- gosh, and AI. Yeah, control, mm-hmm. controls all of it, right? They made $800 million last year. And they don't want to pay their writers. They, they're, they're trying to break the writers, SAGs up next, the actors, and then the directors are, are they're, they're trying to break it, right? Now, they've never made more money, more profits, um, you know, in the last few years. And they don't want to pay anyone. And that, l- l- give that CEO a pen and have him write a script. Let me see. Let me see that, or make, or make a, a movie. But, or but the TV AI show. doesn't even. It's really fascinating. You bring that up in the documentary Americond, everybody, um, about AI, and AI. Like, and you had a gentleman in there, an expert, talking about this could be a really cool thing if we do it the right way. It can be incredible and offer these opportunities, and you know. You've got to watch AI. I mean, you can use like things like Grammarly, right? Put it through there and they go, no, disagree. You know, this helped. That was good. Nice. But no, if you just go to the switch to AI, you're like, no, that's stupid. 
and we are it's only limited to what we do and some of it is dangerous too it's like yeah so it's a balance <laughs> well yes so so in the film you know kurt anderson who's an amazing person uh also you look him up um he's written a bunch of great books um he's you know uh, we 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 found out that the estimates are about 45 percent of all american jobs are at risk from ai this decade right so we're now we're not talking about just this is going to be the uh the nafta for the white collar right um i and, and we're thinking you know, so much has happened since we finished editing the film in the fall that that might be a, a low a low statement uh a low projection um basically stockbrokers are gone there's no need for them anymore um there's no need right. you know for contra contractual lawyers probably in the next two years they'll be gone uh you know you'll have people at the very very top but that that 80 percent they're just they're, they're gonna lose their jobs so unless we make this stuff fairer now it's gonna get really bad because if you have 45 percent of the population lose their jobs uh and the ceo of ibm just two weeks ago, proudly stated he's going to eliminate all human jobs, that's American jobs, hardworking American jobs, that he possibly can this year and replace them with AI. Said that like that was the greatest thing in the world. Mm. So, I mean, this is, you know, it's, we it's have to, yeah, we have to take, take the, the country back, you know, in a positive way. Fix what's, I'm not talking about anything other than fix the system um and yeah, yeah. you know following chris malls to see how his his group him and like seven eight ten people went up against the, you know the most powerful corporation in the country with like two tables and a tent and no money and, and still having to make things work right and still make and, a living yes and they won Bezos and Amazing. Amazon spent $25 million to crush them, had them arrested, called the cops on them like all the time. That was a great uh, part when he says, oh, look who's spending money on us tonight. When when the, yeah. all the cops came, he was like, oh, he's spending some money on us. Well, you got some attention. Yep. Um, so wow. I have a lot of hope. If 10 people could do that, imagine if we all got together and stuck together and said, yeah. no, we need to change this right now. We need to push for small businesses. We need to push for the workers and you know, break up these monopolies. They're way too powerful. They crush small businesses. They just destroy workers. They don't care about anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can do it. And I, I feel very helpful and positive, but we have to do it now. And all of us have to do it. I yes, agree. We, may, we may be tired. We may, don't be cynical. Don't give up. It's really important. I love we, what we you say there about don't be cynical because you know before we were talk before we started recording, I was talking about how we communicate with people in all aisles and all differences in and in ways, you know. And I think you've made a good point of this even at the beginning of the documentary. We really all want to care that we have a roof over our heads, take care of our families, have love and 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 love. And when you're fighting in survival the that's where trauma can happen and that's where people become homeless was trauma and, and we've done so many interviews on this show about homelessness and people just like why don't we just get them off the streets clean them out and i'm like oh my god these are people that some kind of crap happened and when we really dig into it it is about they had some kind of traumatic experience could be military and it could be, hey, drugs in the streets and, and things like that, which you turn to when something is not right. Mental health, there's all of these circumstances that come into play. And um, we can, if we unite and go, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we all could just have time out for a Sunday supper together as a family? How many families get to do that anymore, really? And then the ones that have the time to do it and the money to do it, are you too busy on your damn phones to do it? 
know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that thing, but what I can say yeah, about sorry. homelessness it's hope. is, yeah, there's uh, hope. Yeah, so with homelessness, forty uh, percent of all homeless people work full time. Seventy percent have worked in the last six months. So please don't don't think of them as animals or or vermin or something to be, you know, swept away. We're failing. Oh my them. gosh! Yeah. You know, I, the, I'm so glad you're here. You know yeah. the the um, Mike Buckman who uh, does amazing things uh, for um, prov providing. Uh, um, really amazing housing for people that are experiencing homelessness in uh, the Seattle area. Uh, he his his model should be all over the country. Uh, but what he said was, every hundred dollars, the median rent increases in an area. Homelessness goes up ten percent. Oh my god! They're directly related. It, if you know if wages are too low and housing is too expensive homelessness right now th there are uh you know a segment of that population that is severely mentally ill right um and they need to be cared for but i think a lot of them and homelessness doesn't necessarily mean you're living in a tent but uh you might be you know sleeping on the floor in someone's apartment or there's you know, all kinds of ways. Exactly. Yeah. Your car. Or living in your car. A lot of people. Yeah. We interviewed a lot of people. Most that, people in car. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, and then, you know, and then they get too many tickets. Uh, they get arrested for uh, being in their car and their car gets confiscated. You know, and then this is downward spiral. Then they're in a tent. Then they're sleeping. In keep the off the grass. Yeah. Right. So, it's, it's that same thing. Yeah. And, you know, we just don't do the right things. Um, and here, here's a stat that, uh, so talking to uh, Dr. Gary Evans, who's uh, a specialist of childhood poverty, right? Um, and it's every dollar we invest in early childhood intervention, like, you know, breakfast, lunch, uh, you know, all these different programs, it's a seven to 10 times return on investment. Exactly. I, please show me another investment that is that good. Uh, well, that's sure. Well, they're they're proven. about to take mm -hmm. all that away. But like when yeah. when um you know the pandemic and they have taken it away. I think actually now, and for the most part, it's it's, it's gone. When we when so, we started traveling on our tour in 2012, it was after the 2008 crash, and we we did a road trip for a radio show and everything, and we saw an increased rate of homelessness in this country. And we did some shows on it and we had Pat LaMarche who's, who's dedicated towards this issue. And, and there's another lady, Diane Nyland, I think her name is, and she travels the country documenting this. And, and we said to her, well, what, what is the age group? Everyone thinks it's military veterans. She said at this point, at that time, this is what, 10 years, 13 years ago, right? 10, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. The average age of a homeless person at that time was nine years old. Yeah. Nine years old. And yeah. what we saw while we were traveling, and this is why we started our tour, understanding like how communities need to be reconnected, have better bond. I mean, it just goes anyway, it goes deep. Yeah. I mean, one of the were families living in cars and living in the motels, like there would be like a whole family in a motel room with two oh. beds yeah so we interviewed it didn't these didn't make the movie uh for various reasons you know yeah we yeah could, you we, could, we have a series on this right uh but many people uh living in hotel rooms with the entire family and a cook cooktop um you know and then living in really bad hotels where they had to use the pool water to flush the toilets oh um in america in in, in, in the orlando area right um but the shameful thing is, you know, before the pandemic, um, one in four children are born into poverty in America. 50% of all children will experience poverty during their childhood. 
And those number, the poverty thing is a metric that was done, I think, in the 20s or 30s, which doesn't correlate till today. So I bet it's close to a third. Now, we wow. did see a big shift um, during the uh, the child uh, tax credit stuff during the pandemic, and it really alleviated that. But now, as you said, that's been removed. Um, and when I see, uh, especially, you know, uh, especially Republican lawmakers saying that they've never met uh, someone who was, you know, experiencing poverty uh, and that we don't need to uh, pay for the children's lunch at school or the children's breakfast at school. I mean, not only is that if you're a conservative and you want to save money, is that the absolute wrong thing, right? That'll cost you. No one's going to learn if they can't, if they're hungry, no one's learning. Yeah, seven to $10 uh, for every dollar you didn't spend. Um, It's morally reprehensible um, Mm -hmm. that the children have done nothing wrong, right? And there are children. They're the American children. And you want someone to to work for you. Oh, but, but. But the problem is where you talked about AI, where it's going to shift all these jobs. And so now are we not caring about our kids because we have AI? Well, I think I've just go wonder about where their mindset is on that. Or do they care? Do they care about their grandkids? Oh, their grandkids are fine because they can pay for them, but they're not thinking beyond themselves. Yeah. So that's the problem, right? I think that is the the this rugged individualism is a the American rugged individual. It's a lie, right? So if you did not, you know, you talk about the, you know, when when the uh, people moved to the Midwest and West and no, they formed communities, they bonded together, they they helped each other. Um, and w- without that community contribution connection, they wouldn't exist. If they moved into the middle of nowhere, they, they would have died, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's this fallacy that we, you know, pull yourself up your, by your bootstraps. Well, th- so that saying comes from, uh, yeah, try it because it's impossible, right? Yeah. Right? They, they don't tell the end of that that saying. Um, and- Well, who's the lady in the beginning of your documentary? I pulled in about so much time that I cut them off. <laughs> yeah, and it's true, you know, and- you know, and you see these moms and these families and these children, and that's why we really focused on on moms, families, and children. I think because- well, that's oh, it's the crux of everything. How does a country move forward without taking care of their kids? That is your future. That is your generational. Mo- I mean, that's your legacy too. I mean, what yep. you know, we had a lady, Lee Brovadani, as a trust architect. She comes on our show, and she's like, to all these business people, what is your legacy? Do you want to be the person is your legacy that you put America, Americans, families into poverty? What would you like your legacy to be? Do you want to say you love the kids? Did you want to think about, oh, do you want a park named in your honor because you put people in business? Yeah. I mean, and and then we, and the burdens we put on the kids, right. With college, I was looking at uh, a receipt from my college um, you know, in the eighties, um, I oh, think now that I, was a great year. <laughs> now that I watched your your, your <laughs> documentary, I'm like, crap. I thought the eighties were cool. They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, you know, it was so cheap to go to college. I mean, it wasn't a thousand. I don't think it was a thousand dollars a semester. Wow. You know, so. You know, and then in the seventies, most of the colleges, the state colleges, were or, and city colleges were free, and you could work a job then to pay your way. So you could, y- yeah. So ass, I was working at the bagel it, store, now, right? Yeah, making six dollars and fifty cents an hour. You know, and work all, work my ass off all summer, and yeah, it was possible. It's complete, the minimum wage is seven twenty five. You know, and now it's you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 to go to college. It's insane. Well, well, now then California came up with the fast track employment law. Well, it, I'm, we, we do an employment law uh, segment every month on California employment law because it's changing every, it's changing all the time and in a good way. And it, it, whatever they do, Washington and New York do, right? And 
it's been interesting because they came up this fast track thing, which was to protect the fast, uh, the fast food workers. And people are getting pissed at it to saying, well, we shouldn't be giving medical and all of this, you know, health benefits and all this to fast food workers. These are supposed to be for kids learning skills coming up. Why do we have older people in there? And I'm going, holy cow, if you see where I go across the country, McDonald's may be the only thing they have for yeah. someone to work. And I know yeah. we're talking California, but, um, you know, it ain't what you think. And so people are kind of, I, I don't ever want to stop traveling because I'm seeing it. And yeah. I, I don't think people are, and that's the beauty of what you do in showing it. I don't think people really realize the shift of, it's a generational shift that is happening right now. People are living longer, but not well. And um, it's also a, it, it is a economic shift that has been going downwards. While people are living upwards and living longer, we're going down. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, you know, and what I really cannot stand is when people say, uh, well, they're just burger flippers. So I worked in a restaurant when I was mm -hmm. 19, 20. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest jobs I ever had in my life. It is. And you've got yeah. to be on it, man. you got to be nice. on it. You know, in a busy restaurant, it is no joke. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hot and it's hard to do. And uh, there is so much money in this country. This is what people don't understand. This is what they, they've been lied to. There is so much money in this country <laughs> that uh, everyone who works hard, can have a great life. So instead of thinking, well, why would why would that restaurant worker make enough to survive? And then, you know, because that'll just be close to where I'm at. Yeah, well, you're supposed to go up too, right? So we're all gotta go up. Instead of that's thinking of, oh, you know, that's the thing. People think, oh, well, oh, uh, well, I'm better than them and, uh, I, they would be making close to what I'm making. Well, you're, you're not making enough either. So don't fight against the person who's trying to get out of, and, and like I said before, why are we paying for these big companies to keep the, their people on food assistance when they have they make billions of dollars and, and have hundreds of millions of dollars in stock buybacks every year, and they don't pay their people enough to live? above the poverty rate right that's insanity it's There's because no i think there it is kind of crazy i mean it's not kind of it is and it's short-sighted because it's it's very um it, it's it's all about me it's really what it is it's all about me your your documentary awesome. i want people everyone americond.com go there go watch it i don't think it'll be on amazon very <laughs> It'll be no on comment. Apple. And I'm just saying, I know you can't, I know I get to say it, but, but no, really. Um, no, but honestly, uh, I really encourage everybody of any political belief to go there, whatever party you belong to or non-party, like, you know, um, because every party gets nailed. And so you can go in there thinking, oh, this is going to be a left-wing thing and you're going to be proven a little bit wrong on that. So go watch it. Um, everybody's involved in this. And I think that's the beauty of what you've done. You're very um, balanced in your coverage and bring experts on that can explain and explain the history. And when you talk about how the gap started in the 80s, like here we were, we, we actually created this middle America, which is the American dream, isn't it? Work hard, be able to have a home, live in you know, Beaver Cleaverland with your family, basically, right? Have that nice neighborhood where your kids could play, go down the street, you know, everybody slows down for the kids playing. We don't have that anymore. Now kids are getting shot. We've, we've gone and, and you bring up radicalization. And that yep. is where we are now. And when people are pushed to a limit, and I, and I was thinking about this with this whole debt ceiling thing as we're recording, and I know this is airing later, but when they started threatening social security, I was looking at Nancy going, this country's gonna riot. Like it's gonna get stupid. 
when we start threatening that crap because people yep. paid into it. It's not, it's not social security, Medicare, Medicaid. None of that is a perk of living and working in this country. That is what was paid into. And that yeah. became part of a conversation of being removed. That oh, will no. create radicalization. Well, unfortunately, um, the propaganda machine is very, very strong. And they've been saying this for a while. They right. fully intend once, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to you know, call them out, the, the right wing, if they ever get in full power, they will uh, eliminate Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Um, they don't believe that anyone should receive anything except we should give billions of dollars to the richest. And campaign contributions. Well, and yeah, uh, so, you know, I, you know, we have to wake up and, and forget about Democrats and Republicans. You know, we have to be Americans, right? Because when they split us up, especially when they split us up even further, then uh, we're fighting each other. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they want. And talking about the radical, radicalization, we've seen this through history over and over again, right? Uh, not just here, but all over the world. Um, when income inequality reaches levels that we're at now, there are three basic outcomes. A police state, authoritarian rule, or a revolution. All three are terrible. And you know, people, they don't Oh, the end. revolution. Well, revolutions don't always wind up the way you like them. They also can sometimes revert to the authoritarians, right? So you think you're fighting for one thing, and then, you know, it's like, we have a great thing here. It's broken. We can fix it, right? Much be better, easier way to go about things. But so when people feel that they're losing their status, either real or perceived, um, and they are, then it's easy to lie to them and tell them it's the uh, refugee, it's the Jewish person, it's the people coming over the border, it's the people that don't look like me, it's the brown people, it's whoever the other is. And then they get them to vote against their own economic interests and their own interests. And then we get, uh, you know, that's what happened in Germany, right? And that's what's happening in Poland right now. That's what's but happening. But that's the in thing. Hungary. It's happening around the world. Yeah. So I Israel. feel like this is, it's a very weird time. Um, we've interviewed Sid Ballman. He's written a trilogy on radicalization as novels, historic novels. And he um, is an award-winning uh journalist, retired journalist of, he was a national security journalist. He's flown with Bush, everybody, uh, FDR, like been there, done that all over the world in our national security. And his thing is when you put people under the, what you're talking about, he's right there with you. Radicalization will happen. And if you don't get it now, where we are right now, we are going to be in, in doo-doo and we are in doo-doo. We're already there. So let's start undoing the doo-doo. And I'm trying to behave. <laughs> but I don't care. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I don't care either. But but really it is it is about getting getting a grip. And I just mm -hmm. I wanna I just wanna thank you as as a documentarian and what you do and, and other documentarians because it is telling the true story of people telling their situation and it's it's open and honest. Um you see people living the way they are with what they're going through who are telling their stories, which is not the easiest thing. And for them, the people in the documentary to be part of it, I wanna commend them for being open to the rest of us watching what they're going through and to understand. And because also understanding that pretty much, I'd say 80% watching it, understand mm -hmm. and can identify in some way somehow somewhere identify um or maybe even going through it so um i think we do we do have hope i think we yes. do i i don't want this to be a downer but a reality no. check a reality check you know it, it the future is not written don't be cynical don't give up hope we have to you know, we can change the direction of the future. We're on a bad path, but we've been on this path before and we change it in this country. 
we did. did already we can do it again um but now is the time you know yeah. january 6th was uh the wake-up call um mm -hmm. if they showed up with guns it would be very different right now um and you know you know even if even if there is some leader that you think uh you know uh aligns with your your goals or your dreams or whatever um worshiping a leader or uh wanting an authoritarian government uh once you give up this amazing uh democratic republic you will probably never get it back and what happens that even if you love that leader that leader will die and the next leader may be very very bad for you i grew up in africa man and let me tell you they will sit there for years and years and years and years and change the system and change the laws and what you may think is america the free it's very easy to go away it's very easy to lose your right to vote and people are still fighting for the right to vote so let's let's just yeah i I commend what you do. Thank you, Sean, for joining us Thank here on Big Blend Radio. Everyone, americond.com out on VOD starting June 13th. So go get it there. Uh, it's going to be on Apple, Tubi, right? And all kinds of places. So just go to americond.com. iTunes, like five others. Yeah, and iTunes. new ones coming on all the time. So you'll be able to get anywhere that pretty much that you uh, you can, that you already uh, rent movies or easily can can see it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.